and just getting back to work with him and also just the, the players on this team, you know, uh, the guys, when you, when you look at this team, you look at the guys that, that are around um, that helps build this team to what it is. Um, I mean, what, what, what other team would you want to be a part of? And um, I'm just excited um, and I, I can't wait to, to get to work. Welcome in to the Who Day Den Bengals fans. That was your newest addition to the Cincinnati Bengals, presumably starting right tackle, Lel Collins, signed on Sunday as a free agent after a seemingly long wait. I mean, we've only really been waiting for maybe a week now for him to sign, but it was an eventful weekend, a Friday through Sunday. It was at 72 hours or so of Wondering, was he still in town? How did the visit go? Did he go to dinner with Burrow? Did he not? Is he going to sign? Did we not offer? All of those types of things. There were reports that he left town without a deal. Then people putting up pictures of him still in town, shopping at Kinwood Mall. It was a whirlwind of a weekend, but the deal got done. Collins released by the Cowboys on Thursday, and Bengals fans really have been anxious and distraught, and I think they've been... uh, some of them have really gone through the ringer as far as emotions over the last few days. And it seemed like doubt was really starting to creep in a little bit as it tends to do with this fan base, unfortunately. But yet again, this front office shows us that it's different. This is a different era. This could have been a situation where Collins comes to town. We lowball him. He leaves, goes visit some other teams, signs a deal elsewhere. And then of course, then we could, you know, get upset with their front office for, being cheap if you want to to go back down that road. Instead, reports are Collins had plans of leaving on Sunday and the Bengals were not going to let him leave without a deal. They hammered it out and it really was a, a, a two to three day process to get that contract in front of them and agreed to and signed and all of that. And I think that says a lot about the front office. I think it again shows fans that this is a as difficult as it can be for some that have rooted for this franchise for years and years. It's time to start trusting the front office. It's do they get everything right? Do they do it perfectly? Of course not. We went into last season saying our offensive line seems questionable. And was it a weakness for us last year? Absolutely was. But you cannot look at the results of last year and not even the results, but the process to get there. Our other free agent signings, Hendrickson, Eli Apple, those types of guys, DJ Reader a couple years ago. You can't look past those and say that the front office has not done what we want them to do, which is improve the team. And I think you can't really underestimate how big of an impact Collins will have on this offensive line. We knew we wanted him. We knew he was an improvement. I wanted to go look to see how big of an improvement Lel Collins is going to be along our line. Isaiah Prince last year was a very clear liability it was really the right side of the line with the right tackle and right guard being very questionable, very uh, uncertain, unstable over there. Prince had a 49.5 pass block grade, according to PFF, which is very not good. 49.5 gave up 18 pressures, three sacks, and that was in only 208 pass blocking opportunities because as you recall, he did not play the entire year before that Riley Reef was in there and i think in my head and i think in the fan in the in the heads of a lot of fans we thought Riley Reef was a, a very solid right tackle and solid might be accurate but maybe <laughs> a little bit of a stretch i'm now thinking that maybe 
we saw how bad Isaiah Prince was, and then we were like, oh, Riley Reef was actually pretty solid just because he was better than Isaiah Prince. But Reef himself wasn't great. Gave up 21 pressures and four sacks in his 396 pass blocking opportunities. So altogether, you're you're adding that up and saying at the right tackle position, you gave up 39 pressures, seven sacks from right tackle alone. And Collins has allowed 43 pressures and four sacks the past two seasons combined and over a thousand pass blocking opportunities. So as you can see, it's a clear improvement when you look at those numbers. Um, that's pass blocking. Look at run blocking. He's a top four graded tackle, according to PFF last year in the run blocking game. I think Collins having locked up now, Karras, Kappa, Collins, we got to come up with a catchy name for those three. I know they don't all start with the same letter, but the same sound. So we got to figure out something there. Uh, I'm sure we could, someone's going to come up with a t-shirt of all of them chewing on glass or something based on Frank Pollock's comments, but we got something something catchy there. But anyways, those three guys along that right side of the line, we know Jonah is solid at left tackle, and I think that there's a real chance that he continues to improve. He he missed his rookie season. He um he, he's he's been improving as his career goes on, but he's still young in his career. And I think there's a chance that he gets even better. And especially when you think about an offensive line, yes, it's important to have very solid studs along the the line, but really they operate as a collective unit, right? A lot of communication goes into it. We saw how many times communication or miscommunications, I should say, were the cause of pressures, sacks, etc. And to have a unit now where uh, you've got at least three or four guys that you feel really good about, maybe we have questions about what left guard is going to be. Maybe it's Spain. Maybe it's Jackson Carmen. Maybe it's somebody else. Regardless, you've got four of the five guys you feel pretty good about, and I think it's really, really going to lift the floor of that offensive line unit and how they perform. And Burrow and Mixon both, everyone's talking about Joe, Joe Burrow, and, and rightfully so. I tweeted out the the stats of which we, we've seen, if you're out on social media, how good Joe Burrow was last year with a clean pocket. Unfortunately, he didn't have a clean pocket a lot because he was under so much pressure. But when he had a clean pocket, this is all according to PFF. Last year, Joe Burrow was first in PFF grade, first in yards per attempt, third in adjusted completion percentage, which gets rid of throwaways and spikes, uh, third in passer rating, fifth in big time throw percentage, seventh in passing touchdown, seventh lowest turnover worthy play percentage when he had a clean pocket. So you, like whatever metric you want to look at, he was anywhere from, I mean, top five top six quarterback, even higher. I, I mean, five or six is the lowest I would go. If he has a clean pocket, I think he's one of your three best quarterbacks in the NFL. And unfortunately, we just didn't get to see that play out very much last year due to the offensive line. So yes, we, we can we can obviously say it's going to help Joe Burrow, but let's not forget Joe Mixon, who has been extremely successful the last few years running behind a less than stellar offensive line. And now he's got guys in front of him that are run blockers. And, and I mentioned Collins, who had a PFF uh, fourth highest PFF grade in run blocking. There was another tweet that went out uh, from Jeff Kerr, CBS. He said the Buccaneers averaged 4.9 yards per carry while running over the right guard last year, which is where Kappa plays. And of course, Kappa's allowed just five sacks over the last two years. So they had success in Tampa Bay running behind Kappa. Obviously, his pass blocking is good as well. But you now have guys that 
are able to create some lanes for Joe Mixon. And I think it's really going to be wheels up for this offense. I don't want to spend a, a whole lot of time talking about the offense because we've got a whole offseason where we can speculate and have fun with all of that. But I, I, I legitimately think that this is the type of offense where how many how many games last year were we waiting for them to crack the 30 point mark? And then, you know, it happens against Detroit and it's like, yeah, but it was Detroit. They weren't great. There were some games where the offense looked outstanding and there were other games where it really bogged down. And a lot of times it was sacks killing drives and it was uh, tackles for loss when Mixon's carrying the ball and on first and 10 gets negative three and puts you in a second and 13. Those kill drives. And even with those inconsistencies, the offense still obviously showed flashed their ability in games where they were putting up 30, 40 plus it's possible. And I think that it, I I don't even, I'm going to go as far as to say, I think it's likely that this offense as currently constructed knock on wood, barring any injuries with the new offensive line, with the weapons we know we have with Joe Burrow, with Jamar chase in his second season, T Higgins, hopefully fully healthy for the entire year again for now entering in his, his second season, playing alongside Jamar, which opens things up for him. I think 30 points for this offense or being close to 30 points, 28 plus a game is likely the offensive line was really what killed drives last year. And when they didn't kill drives, we were one of the top teams in the league in scoring. I think it was a a points per drive on drives that did not include sacks. We think we were second or third or whatever it was in the league. We were scoring when we weren't shooting ourselves in the foot. And, you know, I, I, I sent a tweet out to Mike Santagata, who I constantly am referencing on here. I love chatting with him on Twitter at Bengals Sands. And I asked him about this Colin signing. Is, is, is this the best offensive lineman we've had since big Andrew Whitworth? You know, six years ago, even when he was 34 years old, wasn't really the prime of his career, but he played really well all the way through his Cincinnati career. And Mike said, yep, best offensive lineman we've had since Witt. But Collins is also probably the best right tackle we've had since Willie Anderson. Since Willie Anderson, we now have a right tackle that we feel very good about. And I'll say it again, and I keep saying it, this is a different era of Bengals football. The Joe Burrow era is different from any other era of Cincinnati Bengals football that you have watched, that you have rooted for. Expectations? are a Super Bowl. And and that's not a pipe dream, right? We did it last year. We made it to the Super Bowl. And on paper, we are better than we were last year. Other teams have improved, sure. That's great for them. But looking at us, we have improved as well in the areas, the few areas where I felt like were true weaknesses on the team. We aren't, I, I think as fans, we shouldn't be. And I don't think our, the players on our team are scared at all. Uh, but, but we're not scared of other teams and what they're doing. Cleveland, go get Deshaun Watson. Go get Amari Cooper. Don't care. Kansas City, add to your weapons. Get Juju Smith-Schuster. Don't care. Chargers are reloading on defense. Good for them. Don't care. Because we have the team that is the defending conference champion, and it was not a fluke, and we've gotten better this offseason. So, and, and Paul Daner tweeted out um, after the Kappa deal, and I forgot to mention it last episode, that the, the Kappa deal, I, I mentioned a little bit about how the Bengals were giving money to a an offensive lineman that plays guard, which is unusual. He said the Kappa deal doubles the AAV of the highest amount the Bengals had ever given to a guard in their history. 
So the Bengals are doing things they've never done before during the Joe Burrow era. It's different. And it's hard for us, maybe, some of us, to forget what it used to look like. And there's already rampant speculation as Deshaun Watson gets all this guaranteed money and Aaron Rodgers gets all this guaranteed money and Matthew Stafford gets a huge signing bonus on extension saying, oh my goodness, what is Joe Burrow going to demand in two years or three years or whenever that extension is given to him? He's definitely leaving because the Bengals are not going to do that. Joe Burrow is changing the franchise. We are doing things we haven't done before, and I think we're going to continue to do things we have not done before because we have a Super Bowl window. And time and again, the front office is showing us how they're evolving, and I think it is about time as fans for some that, I mean, I mean, we're in the third offseason now where things are looking different than what we've we've been used to in the past. And yet some fans, as we wait for Collins news, are already, oh, we probably low bottom. We're cheap. Why can't we get anything done? Why don't we restructure our, our deals differently? Why do we lose the free agent? Like, why didn't we trade for him? Why didn't we why did we let him get released and now we're competing? Oh my goodness. The Patriots are interested. Game over. We we we're not going to compete with the Patriots. Bill Belichick. All the fans just panic during the the uncertainty. And I think the franchise has shown us enough that we can now trust them. Again, not to say they will do everything perfectly, not that they will do everything we want them to do necessarily when we want them to do it, but they are different than the 1989, 1995, 1999, 2003. Like it's different. Whatever year you want to look at, it's different with Joe Burrow who continues to change the franchise and how this franchise operates. Thank you, Joe. Now, the Collins news is the biggest news because it's the the shoe we were waiting to drop for the Bengals to really feel confident about our, our offseason, I think. And we're not done, hopefully. But there were some other deals done over the last week. And, and I hadn't recorded another episode after Monday because, you know, we make those two big deals, Kappa and, and, and Karis. And I'm waiting, saying, all right. Once we get the Collins deal done on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, I'll I'll do the podcast. And we kept waiting and waiting and waiting. Now it's done. But there were some other deals that happened as well. CJ Uzama out of Cincinnati to the New York Jets. Um, My wife, a a new Bengals fan, getting into it a little bit more this past season, was distraught to see that he left Cincinnati and uh, just could not understand why he would not stay here because it's it's the Bengals. But regardless, I mean, you wish him well. I think you look at that deal that he got about eight million a year. I honestly can say I think we can appreciate what he did for us, not even just from a production standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, how he represented the franchise, etc. But I'm kind of glad that the Bengals as a franchise didn't overvalue him and overpay for him for that necessarily because his production was fine but keep in mind he was a fourth or fifth option right you've got jamar chase you've got tyler boyd you've got t higgins you've got mixing out of the backfield and then you've got tight end and uzama made big plays and he contributed when called upon but it's not a focal point necessarily of our offense and i'm thankful that they did not necessarily feel the need to overpay for a tight end, because while it's a it's nice to have a tight end that is uh, competent, right? I don't want to to necessarily trash any players, but we've seen some tight end play outside of CJ Uzama that 
leaves a little to be desired when others are out there on the field. Um, you want to have a competent pass catcher. And, and we went and did that. We filled it with Hayden Hurst. He's played for the Baltimore Ravens as well as the Atlanta Falcons. And it was a short deal. One year, three and a half million, another one million that can be reached with incentives. Very cheap, keeping money available for us to use for other more important positions for our team, like right tackle and Lyle Collins. Hayden Hurst, I think, is a fine pickup. Um, not necessarily a sexy name. When you look at box scores at the end of the season, not necessarily sexy production. But I think it's kind of hard to evaluate him. You look at his career, he's averaged 45 targets, 30 receptions, and 300 yards in his career. as a, a very quiet rookie season included there. Um, Hurst is going to need to step up a little bit. I mean, you look at what CJ did in 2021, 50 catches, 500 yards. Can Hayden Hurst do that? I think he can. I think he can. It's it's been a weird, uh, been a weird career for him. I mean, being in Baltimore and with Mark Andrews, another tight end that is uh, very good, one of the best in the league in a an offense that prefers to run the ball more often than not in Baltimore. And then he goes to Atlanta and he made comments in his press conference about how um, his usage there was not what he thought it was going to be when he signed there. So whatever that, whatever that means. Um, but I'm not sure we've seen him used necessarily to his fullest extent, but he's a capable pass catcher. I mean, for what it's worth, PFF rates him as a poor pass blocker the last couple seasons. There were other tight ends that I was more interested in. OJ Howard, Conklin. I mean, I, I was interested in those guys, but it's not a deal that you should trash and say, Oh, not Hayden Hurst. It's a low risk one year deal, cheap, for a position that's not our most pressing issue, it's it's a fine deal, and it fills a hole left behind by C.J. Uzama. And in addition to Hayden Hurst, we also have Eli Apple signing a one-year, $4 million deal to return to Cincinnati. That is an absolute steal of a deal. Bengals fans, for the most part, have come around on Eli Apple, including myself, those that were a little bit harder on him to start the season. Non-Bengals fans love to hate him. And he brings some of that upon himself, right? Trashing other fan bases, places he's played. Kind of a lightning rod out there on social media. But uh, one year, $4 million for a guy that played very well for the majority of the season. Absolute steal. Again, a low risk, low money investment in a guy that you know people mock it. He's an easy target, draws attention to himself. But he, again, is not as bad as people think. They just like to to make fun of him and all that type of stuff. At least last year he wasn't. You hope he doesn't regress um, to some of his previous production in other stops like New York and New Orleans that weren't great. But he was fine for us last year. And, and for now, it gives us some stability at the cornerback position. We've got Awuja, we've got Apple, we've got Hilton. It's still a position we need more depth at. Rumors of the Bengals being in on Stephon Gilmore, I don't really put much... Uh, thought behind that I'm, I'm not sure that that's actually legit i uh, not doesn't seem like a move the Bengals would make it would be an expensive move uh, it'd be nice to have him but he's on the wrong side of 30 i think that cornerback is one of those positions you expect to address in the draft whether it's with our first pick at 31 uh, somewhere in the second round uh, we're in a spot now having addressed the offensive line that we can take the best play player available at 31 you don't have to feel like, all right, this guy is probably the 
55th best player, but we have to take him at 31 because we need a guard or we need a center or I feel like I need to trade up, which I don't think they were ever going to be trading up. But hey, I feel like we need to trade up so that we can get this guy because we have to address our offensive line. You're in a spot at 31. Let a defensive tackle fall to you. Let an edge rusher fall to you. Let a cornerback fall to you. Nothing there you like. Trade back. Plenty of teams will be interested in trading back to 31. One, it gets them back into the tail end of the first round. And of course, in the first round, you get that extra fifth year option for your rookies. So would I be shocked if quarterback hungry teams are maybe calling the Bengals at 31 if a guy like Des Ritter or someone like that? I, I don't think Willis or Pickett will fall that far, but Carson Strong, I don't know. I haven't scouted any of these quarterbacks necessarily, but if there's a quarterback there that is at the end of the first round when we're on the clock, you can now field those calls. You have the flexibility to field those calls get some additional draft capital and move back and and make a pick later in the second round or whatever. We still have some some needs to address. Like I said, cornerback depth. You'd like to get a safety on the roster because Von Bell and Jesse Bates, at least as currently slated, will be free agents after next season. Not sure if you'll keep one or both, but you'd like to have some depth there. It's not a perfect roster, but it was good enough to get to the Super Bowl last year, and it's better than it was last year. B.J. Hill... Kappa, Karras, Collins, Eli Apple, Hayden Hurst, some great signings, Josh Tupo along the defensive line, signings, re-signings, and I think, you know, you look at the guys you you miss out on, Ogunjobi, who did fail his physical and maybe comes back to Cincinnati on another short deal, one-year type of thing. Uh, hopefully for him, he's able to go somewhere and get paid because he, he deserves it, but maybe you get him back, but, you know, losing him, as long as you re-sign B.J. Hill, it, it helps lessen that sting. Losing C.J., replacing him with Hayden Hurst for much cheaper and probably comparable production lessens that sting. We cut Trey Hopkins, and you know I'm on the record as saying Trey Hopkins isn't the, the biggest issue for our line, but I think we've improved at center and uh, at guard, so you can't really complain, but it, maybe he comes back on a cheaper deal. We just don't know if Quentin Spain's coming back. There, there are question marks still with the team. Not perfect but it's better than it was at the end of the season when we were seconds away from a Super Bowl victory. Collins, the big fish of free agency that we were able to reel in. The Bengals front office again proving to us again how they have changed and how they've evolved. And it's a great time to be a Bengals fan, is it not? Yes, we 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 have the sting of the Super Bowl loss and... Maybe we're still licking our wounds from that a little bit, but next season is looking bright. And as, as everybody talks about how the AFC North is going to be tougher with a healthy Lamar and Deshaun Watson, however many games he'll be playing in Cleveland. Eh, I don't really want to mention Pittsburgh. Uh, you've got, you've got the chargers. Like I mentioned the Broncos with Russell Wilson, the AFC is stacked. No doubt about it. I don't think this is a division that you look at and expect a team to come out 13 and four, maybe one of them will, maybe someone like, I, I could see like the bills because the AFC East isn't extremely strong, but you're not going to have some powerhouse teams. I don't think they're going to beat up each other in the AFC West and the AFC North, but we can feel confident that we're the defending AFC North champs. We're the defending conference champs. We have a target on our back, but as long as we improve and, and control the things that we can control, which is our roster, we're going to be set up nicely 
for a run again in 2022. And I don't know about you, but I'm extremely excited now about next season, kind of a renewed energy as this first week of free agency has wrapped up. We've seen the Bengals attack their biggest weakness on their roster, their Super Bowl roster, let's not forget. And we still have the draft ahead of us, and that will be exciting as well. So I'll be working on getting some draft folks in here, people that know a lot more about the prospects than I do, sometime in April. And um, still working through some of those details, the uh, the who and the when and things like that. I want it to be a little bit closer to the draft, and um, we'll work through those. But successful first week in free agency for the Bengals. Great time to be a Bengals fan. Say it with me, everybody. Boudet.